Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Hey, welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in this evening. You probably don't remember the bumper music from the last hour. But, you know, when we were going out, it didn't even occur to me until after we went to the break that the bumper music as we were exiting the show last hour was Under Pressure by David Bowie. And I thought, how appropriate producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski going with uh, Under Pressure while we're talking about the Biden administration dealing with that. And uh, listen, I don't want to know whether it was intentional or not. Just nod and take credit for it, my friend. And speaking of taking credit for it, here, power up your mic there, Matt. You, we were, we were talking during the break, and you said something about uh, your, you were checking something on social media. Yeah. What were they saying about the Taliban? Uh, it was a picture of the the guys in the Taliban, and said, "Well, at least these guys are wearing masks." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we know they're reprehensible. They're bloodthirsty killers. They're depriving rights to to women and minorities. But you know, at least they're wearing masks. Yeah. They're right? not. They're not maintaining six feet of social distance, though, which is. Uh, that could be a problem. The next thing, yeah, they're wearing the masks. <laughs> that could be a problem. That's very funny. The other, the other funny thing that I saw, and this is, you know, this is funny because it's true, is that there was a CNN reporter today. She was she was right in the middle of these Taliban soldiers who were chanting in English, "Death to America, death to America," and so she's reporting for CNN, and she said, you know. They, they're, they're chanting death to America, but they sound so friendly. I mean, th- that was her analysis. They sound friendly, even though they're chanting death to America. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I do want to move on from Afghanistan, but there's just two other, another quick story, though, that, that I want to mention, because a lot of folks think this is a partisan issue, that the Republicans are all against President Biden, because he's a Democrat and the Democrats are all supporting him. And maybe that's true on some issues. That is not true here. It is not true. And the, and proof of that is Ryan Crocker. He's the former ambassador to Afghanistan during the Obama administration. So this isn't somebody that worked for President Trump. This isn't someone that works for Ted Cruz or some analyst on Fox News, which, again, makes it easy for some folks to marginalize these opinions if they come from a source that they don't find credible. So here's a source who was who was the former ambassador to Afghanistan during the Obama administration. And he said today, Biden owns Afghanistan lock, stock and barrel. He said, and this is a quote, it is beyond disingenuous for the president to say now that we've made all these inputs and it's up to the Afghanis to fight for their own country when he, President Biden, embraced the process and he now owns it lock, stock and barrel. And so he goes on, I'm not going to read more quotes, but he goes on to squarely place the blame in this situation on President Biden. And there have been national security experts who have been paraded out on television yesterday and today talking about how the issue isn't in whether we pulled out or not. The issue is how we did it and how the president ordered the military to do it. And what I still want to know and what I hope someone gets to the bottom of is whether President Biden got bad advice or, which is what I think is the case, he got 
advice he didn't like, and he only chose to listen to the advice that met his worldview. And that would be a scary premise indeed. Uh, And so we're not going to know that, how that's going to play out until days and weeks and maybe even months to come. But I want you to listen for that information because that's going to tell you, you know, people can rely on bad advice. Listen, I'm in the advice business. I practice law in corporations in Missouri and Illinois depend on what I tell them to manage their legal process and their litigation. And so if I give bad advice to my clients and they act on that bad advice, then at that point, if things don't go the way they want it to go, you know what? They, they relied on bad advice, but they made the decision. But what often happens in, in, in litigation is that the attorneys give the clients advice and the client says, I'm not going to listen to you. You're the expert, but I'm not going to listen to you because this is what I want to do. And if that's what we're seeing from President Biden, then that information, I promise you, will come out in the days and weeks and months ahead. Because the situation is going to, to get worse and worse and worse in Afghanistan. And as it does, there will be leaks of information. And I promise you, promise you, that we will know in the not-too-distant future which of those two choices are, in fact, true. Hey, when we come back, we've got other news of the day. And, you know, I like to talk about big ideas. And one of the big ideas that we're going to talk about in the next hour is this change of what I call a paradigm. Because traditionally, the left has always been those who support the little guy or the individual. And conservatives and Republicans were always the people of the big party, big business. We support big business and the people that run this country. And yet, more often than not now, those positions have flipped. We're going to talk about those ideas and more because we here at KMOX are at your service. Don't go away. I met a guy recently who told me that he spends roughly $250,000 a month. I talked to another person recently who made $50 million at the age of 30. What do you do with that money? How do you spend it? How do you not spend it? What do you invest in? If you meet a rich person, these are questions everyone wants to know, but you're too embarrassed to ask. That's the whole premise of MoneyWise. We talk to real people who have made a significant amount of money, and we ask them all about their finances. My name's Sam Parr, and the podcast is called MoneyWise. That's one word, money wise. You can find MoneyWise wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Young in with you this evening here on At Your Service until 11 o'clock. You know, I get folks asking me all the time, Brad, do you have like a regular show? I'm like, no, I just kind of uh, fill in around the Cardinals baseball. But uh, I am always thrilled when I'm on, and I'm glad you're staying up late with us tonight. Uh, I've got, I, I teased a big idea story, but uh, there's something else that I've got to talk to. And, and Matt here, turn your turn your mic on. And Matt always like, oh, no, he's going to pick on me. Oh, man. But you don't look like a guy who has any worries about future hair loss. No, not really. No. <laughs> Maybe too much hair. I, mean, I need to get a haircut, actually. I don't, I don't, any, any guys in your family I mean, you know, actually, losing your hair? Yeah, an uncle. Just an uncle. Is it is it a gene? Is this one of those things where the uncle, if the uncle has no, it? No. Okay. Actually, I think the gene for baldness goes through the moms. Oh, no, I'm, I'm fine then. So you're good You're good, good to go. All right, well, yeah. he's looking at me like, you know, Brad, you're a cue ball <laughs> over there. <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, Matt, got, you got no worries, man. You've got a great head of hair. Thank you. But uh, I will tell you that that uh, researchers today have announced that they think they've found a complete cure for baldness. But it comes out of China. And, you know, I'm just thinking, oh, I could see some guy looks like me goes in and hey, dude, man, I'd like to, I'd like to get some hair. Can you, like, uh, cure my baldness? And then I get some cure from China. I end up getting... COVID-27 or something. It's going to be, <laughs> it's, oh, sure, this cure for baldness, we make it from uh, bat guano that we found in a cave. Uh, and it just happened to leak from a lab in Wuhan. But it'll grow your hair to look like Matt Pajeski's hair. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm going to go for that. But, uh, uh, but one, one of the things about this cure for baldness is the the there's there's some nutrients that are I'm not going to get into the science here but it it deals with something called cerium nanoparticles okay and they've got to get it to the hair follicles but your skin on your skull is so thick that the cerium the cerium nanoparticles can't get to the follicles so what the scientists figured out and this is the part I'm like okay no hair's it's not worth it they develop a biodegradable polyethylene liquid compound that contains tiny needles, and they slap it on your head and so that the needles can inject all over your scalp. The needles can inject the serum nanoparticles down to the uh, hair follicles to regrow them. And they've only tested this on mice. But what's funny is, like, how are you going to find bald mice, okay? I don't know what bald mice. So they just took regular mice, and they smeared like nair, you know, the stuff that women use on their legs to get the hair off their legs. It's like they smeared nair on these heads of mice to kill all the follicles so then they could try to regrow them with cerium nanoparticle needles. I'm like, you know... I'm just going to wear a hat if it's all the same <laughs> or I don't even care. I mean, at that point, my goodness, uh, we, we don't need to do that. So uh, so beware if you hear of a new cure for baldness, because if it comes from China and it's very popular in Wuhan, as they used to say about drugs, just say no. That's what you got to do. <laughs> just say no. Uh, you know, before the uh, before the break, I mentioned this idea and to me, it's, a, it's an idea that I've been toying with for the past year or two. And it's this idea because traditionally, I've, I've got a very good friend of mine I went to law school with, and he's as liberal as I am conservative. And we go to lunch together about once a month, and we just argue for the entire hour. We'll eat chicken wings, and we'll argue, and we just have the best time. We just enjoy it. We argue the whole time. People think, look at us. I'm sure they think we're going to start fighting, but we don't. We're best friends. And uh, we just love, love to argue, right? So, uh, uh, and he's always said, oh, Brad, you know, all these Republicans are for these big corporations. All these Fortune 500 companies are all about making money. And the Democrats are all for the little guy. But the last time we had lunch, in fact, the last couple of times we had lunch at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'm, I'm not getting any plug from them. That's just where we like to go. Uh, we go there for wings and... I threw out the idea, but his name is John. I threw out the idea, John, isn't the opposite now actually the case? 
And we've the last few lunches, we've explored this idea, and I think I've got him to where he may be seeing it from my perspective, at least in this area. And here's some, I'm going to give you some examples of this. Think about big tech right now. Big tech, biggest companies on the planet, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, biggest companies this planet has ever seen. They are all run by leftists. They are all run by complete and total leftists. And so if you look at the nature and the face of big business today, it's there's not the traditional, you know, guys, big, fat, white guys in the back room smoking cigars, running businesses, talking about squashing the little guy. That doesn't exist anymore. Here's another example. Coca-Cola. You know, when uh, uh, when... Georgia was going to enact reasonable, fact-based restrictions, not restrictions, but voter ID requirements on voting, which a majority of African Americans actually support. Poll after poll after poll shows that 60 to 70 percent of African Americans have no problem with voter IDs because they recognize that voter integrity is important. And yet, having said that, Whenever Georgia tried to pass some reasonable laws saying you just got to prove who you are before you can vote, the left went crazy. And Coca-Cola and Major League Baseball, for goodness sakes, both went totally woke and both embraced the lie that said voters are being restricted in Georgia. And here to me is what's fascinating about this idea. And we'll continue this on after the segment break here in a few minutes. Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game from Atlanta, which Atlanta is a highly, in fact, it may even be a majority population in Atlanta is African-American or minorities. And how much revenue would the Major League Baseball All-Star Game bring to that area? The small businesses, the stores that are run by mom-and-pop companies, the people who are working in restaurants and, and the hotel industry, all of those businesses would directly benefit African Americans in Georgia. But because of this buying into the lie of wokeness, and they moved Major League Baseball's All-Star Game to where? Colorado. And where it was moved to was a predominantly white area. And so any business, any ancillary business that may have gone along with Major League Baseball's All-Star Game was transferred from African-American recipients in Georgia to a predominantly white recipients in Colorado. Whom did that help? How did that advance the cause of of equality in this country in any tangible way. It didn't. It didn't. It was form over substance. And yet that was big tech. That was Major League Baseball. That was Coca-Cola who demanded it. That was Disney who now was saying that because of a few years ago that they were going to restrict the making of movies in Georgia because of Georgia's anti-abortion law. So the major companies, particularly the major tech companies in this country now, are predominantly left. And when we come back from this break, I'm going to break down for you how, how Republicans and conservatives are standing up for the rights of individuals 
standing up for the rights of working class Americans, which is a complete flip of what we've been told for the past generation. Brad Young here at your service. What are your thoughts? Call or text. We've gotten lots of texts tonight, and I've loved every one of them. I've responded to most of them. Give us a call or give us a text, 314-436-7900 on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Thanks again for all your texts this evening. I'm just looking at five more that came in just during the break. So text line is open, 314-436-7900. That's what at your service means. You know, I mentioned about this, uh, how how the left is really for corporations, and uh, it's the it's the conservatives in this country that are now standing up for little guy. And there's so many examples of that. But here's just a few. You know, you heard at the top of the hour— it was uh, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, talking about they're having mandatory vaccine identification in New York City. What's the largest group percentage-wise that is currently unvaccinated? It's African-Americans. And I know that for most of the part you see on the news that that it's, it's Trump supporters from Branson, Missouri, are, are the largest group that are unvaccinated. But African-Americans have an extremely low vaccination rate, and I would hope that that vaccination rate goes higher. But if New York City institutes a vaccine mandate and a vaccine identification to receive basic services, who's that going to harm? That's going to predominantly harm African-Americans in New York City. And what's also interesting is why is it? Because if we've heard from the left that being asked to show an identification is inherently racist. That's what the left tells us, even though African-Americans don't think that. (laughs) But but the liberal establishment does. So if you have to show your identification, that equates to racism. So does that also apply to showing a vaccine identification? In other words, why is it that it's okay and you can be forced to show an identification to prove you're vaccinated, and that's not racist, but if you have to show an ID to vote, that's racist. What's the difference? Those are questions that we're not asking as a country, and I wish that we would. I just want people to be consistent, but they're not. And uh, uh, good. Hey, we got a phone call. Jim, welcome to Camo X. What's on your mind this evening? Hi, Brad. Good evening. Well, I'm wondering, does participation in an experimental drug program affect your health insurance coverage or your life insurance? Because if I was an insurance agent or like an insurance company, I wouldn't want to be covering somebody who is participating in an experimental drug program, like if something happened to them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what happens is that with the FDA gave emergency approval status to the vaccines, I think that would cover on any, and I've not done the legal research on that because it hasn't come up, but I think that would cover any insurance plan because of the FDA's emergency approval status for the vaccines. Are you going to be in the holiday uh, thing? Are you going to be in the holiday program? Oh, the Camelax holiday show? Well, I don't even know. I haven't talked to Colleen about that. Uh, I I don't even know if he's writing one. Uh, I hope that he does. I've been in the last two that we had uh, before 
COVID. We there was one in uh, I was in the holiday program in 2018 and 2019. So I would certainly hope that I would be in one this year. But that's all in the mind of Kevin Colleen. Tell him you want a speaking part. <laughs> well, I don't think they would put me in there for my good looks. I'll tell you that, Jim. <laughs> uh, not, or else, you know what they could use me for is I could be in the lighting department because if they shined a spotlight on my head, it would light up the entire stage. All right. Hey, Jim, thanks for calling in this evening. Your head is a disco ball. It is a disco ball. See, you've seen me before. You know how rerun that works. The first, re, rerun the first hour. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Hey, yes, I, uh, I I was on the first hour. Hey, Jim, thanks for calling in. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, here's here's another troubling idea. This idea that this idea that the left now supports big corporations and conservatives are for the little guys. Just last week. Just last week. YouTube, actually it was, uh, yeah, I think it was YouTube. YouTube suspended the account of Senator Rand Paul. Why did they do that? They suspended, completely suspended his account. So big tech comes in and they said, we don't like what you're saying. It's perceived as being conservative. So we're going to kick you off of our platform. Well, first of all, who has... Who has held and elected big tech as the arbiter of truth? No one has. They've done that themselves. They're not required to. Under, was it, Section 206 on the Communications Decency Act, they're not required to be arbiters of the truth. In fact, that gives you liability as long as you don't try to manage it. And yet these tech companies are trying to manage what is and what is not the truth. And what Senator Rand Paul said is not really all that controversial. What he said was is that M95 masks will completely block the COVID virus and that surgical masks give some protection and that standard cloth masks do not provide any protection at all. Now, I don't know that I agree with that or disagree with it. I don't know that I do. I haven't done the research. He's a physician. I'm not. I just oppose physicians. I'm not one. But YouTube still suspended him for saying that. And to me, that's extremely troubling that they would suspend a United States senator just like they suspended the president because they violated the truth. So here is where big tech run by lefts, run by left lefties in the in the tech community is squelching the speech of an individual. Again, an example of where the corporate mentality now is left, not conservative, right. And it doesn't end there. I mean, think about how much Twitter has done, whether it's to President Trump. And listen, President Trump has said all kinds of things that I would have openly said on 1120, red hot 50,000 watts was just wrong. But I've never advocated for him to be silenced because of it, because <laughs> that's censorship. I mean, in a technical sense, it's only censorship when it comes from the government. And yet in this instance, we've had reports where the White House, where the White House has been directing Twitter and YouTube and Facebook on whom to silence and how to silence them.
Now, does that give you any sense of concern when the White House directs tech companies to silence their enemies? You know, the guy I mentioned, John, who I have lunch with, he's always hated Richard Nixon, and he's brought up to me over the years how how hated Nixon is because he had an enemies list. But doesn't the current White House also have an enemies list if they are coordinating efforts with tech companies to silence the speech of individuals with whom they disagree? Folks, that's an enemies list right there. But you don't see outrage from the Washington Post. Why? Because the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, who, of course, owns Amazon. So, of course, you don't hear feedback from uh, any negative comments from the Washington Post. But that concept, and that's what I want, and that's why I'm giving you this idea tonight, because I want you to think about this idea as you process more information about how the little guy is now being supported by conservatives and corporations have been taken over by the left. You know, we see that in unions. You know, I, I grew up, my dad was a coal miner. I grew up in the house of a coal miner. My dad was a union member. And he was actually not just a union member. My dad was a union secretary for the coal miners union in Southern Illinois. And he had to go to all these union meetings. And 100% of the rank and file of the coal miners union voted Democrat 100% of the time. It wasn't even up for debate. But what's going on right now with blue-collar workers across this country? Are they still supporting, because the unions are still supporting Democrats 100%, but are the rank and file doing that? No, they're not. So the little guy, the little guy who's working in the unions, guy who's making it happen, who's doing the physical labor to make this country something, they're no longer lockstep liberals. But the companies and the unions that they work for are increasingly in that category. So that's an idea that that I don't think is getting enough traction in this country right now because it goes against a historical narrative. The Democrat Party still wants to look at themselves as being the party of the working man, the party of the working woman, the party of the little guy. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, here was a situation where the Biden administration just last week. Of course, we're not hearing this now because it's all Afghanistan 100 percent of the time. But at the direction of the White House, Twitter suspended a commentator, David Rubin, for questioning about vaccine mandates. And so the Biden administration sent word to Jack Dorsey, and apparently then Dave Rubin was suspended from Twitter. So once again, we have the White House, the President of the United States, directing companies to silence the speech of an American citizen. Folks, that is censorship. When the government tells you what you can and cannot say, that is censorship. And it's just because it's being uh, it's being laundered through a corporation doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. Now, listen, I, I advise companies every day. And if a company wants to say to someone, 
if you say something negative, we're going to fire you. Is that legal? With some exceptions, yes. If you're talking about union activities, if you're talking about organizing a union, then no, that would violate National Labor Relations Standard or National Labor Relations Board standards. So there are some restrictions, but by and large, a private company, unless you're covered by a, a collective bargaining agreement, can terminate your employment for something that you say. But the government can't do that. But if the government is telling a private corporation to fire you, isn't that the same as censorship? And the answer to that is yes. And it should scare every single American to the depths of your bone marrow if we are comfortable as a society with a government that directs companies to punish you for the content of your speech. Hey, I've got to take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to give you a few more examples of that. Again, text lines open. Phone lines are open. 314-436-7900 on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Brad Young in for the last segment here on At Your Service. Hey, thanks for staying up late with us. I always appreciate that. Love listening and hearing from listeners. Even been sending some texts through the break, so always appreciate the feedback. It's interesting because of this topic I've been talking about, about censorship and how even though legally censorship has to come from the government, if the government is working through proxies of private companies, it's essentially the same as censorship. It's just being routed through the company. It's kind of like... Uh, you've all seen like The Firm, the movie The Firm, okay? Any movie that involves the mafia, they always wash money by sending it through you know, some legitimate business that's located in the Cayman Islands to turn dirty money into clean money. But it's still dirty money. It just has the appearance of cleanness. And isn't that the same thing when the government instructs companies to silence your speech? It's still censorship. It's just been washed like money funneled through the Cayman Islands. It's still just as dirty, and it's still just as wrong for the government to tell you what you can and can't say, what you can and can't think. I mean, let me put it into this context for you in case you're not on board with me. Imagine you're talking on your cell phone, and you're talking to a friend. Would you want AT&T, if AT&T is your carrier for your cell phone, Would you want AT&T to come on the line and say, you know, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, what you're saying is untrue. And if you don't stop speaking, we're going to terminate your cell phone account. I mean, who would put up with that? Nobody. Nobody would put up with that. So how is that ridiculous, absurd example of your cell phone carrier censoring your speech because they don't agree with it? How is that any different? than suspending a YouTube account for Rand Paul, suspending a Twitter account for Dave Rubin. I know what you're going to say because, listen, I'm a chess player. I play three moves ahead. You're going to say, well, Brad, there's a big difference. The big difference is if I post some false statement on YouTube, it can be witnessed by millions of people. Okay, I'll grant you that that's what's called a difference without distinction. Because if I call a million people and I do a robo-phone call on a million people that spreads lies, that's no different 
So then at, the, at that point, the, 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 the difference is irrelevant. I could still make phone calls. So you're going to base censorship of speech just based upon how many people it reaches? That still doesn't address the threshold issue. Should someone be monitoring your communication and telling you what is and what is not true? To me, that's an enormous, enormous problem. And yet we're seeing that over and over and over again, whether it's with, whether it's with YouTube, whether it's with Twitter, or whether it is with any other social media platform. Facebook is terrible at this. And, and there's actually a way to fix this that doesn't involve censorship. And when I tell you this, you're going to go, well, of course Brad would say that. He's an attorney. Of course he would. There was a situation that happened with, I believe it was with Steak and Shake. This happened about a month and a half ago where someone posted on Facebook something about there being you know, worms in the food or something. And I, I again, I'm not trying to spread rumors. I'm not saying this happened, but I'm giving you this as an example of how we already have systems in place to monitor false statements. It's called libel lawsuits. And so Twitter, or Facebook rather, or I'm sorry, Steak and Shake sued this employee and won a judgment proving that their meat did not have worms in it. And they got an enormous verdict and squelched that person from spreading false statements against Steak and Shake. So we already have systems in place to deal with that. We don't need, we don't need big tech to come and say what you're talking about with your friend is true or false. We don't need that. We already have libel laws. We have defamation laws that are already in place. We have legal mechanisms where you can sue them to stop them from spreading speech that's malicious and false and designed to harm. But if something's just a matter of opinion, in America, we don't stop that. We don't. But apparently, big tech does. Apparently, the left does if they don't agree with you. Just think of this as we start to close here. When was the last time you ever heard any examples of big tech squelching the speech, false speech, of those on the left. When have you heard that? Have you heard any examples of someone spewing liberal socialism, Marxism that's false, and big tech saying you can't say that because it's not true? You've never heard of that because it never happens, which proves my point. Big tech in this country is left little guys are being stood up for by conservative principles. Hey, Brad Young sitting in with you this evening. Always have a blast. Stick around for the next hour where we have St. Louis Talks Rewind from 11 to 12 with Ryan Recker, Bo Matthews, and Carol Daniel. You're going to want to stick around for that, so don't go away. Well, it's all right Even if to see you're wrong Well, it's Somewhere down the road away